I think we all know that successful trading is as much a game of the mind and our psychology than it is about having the best rules to follow. And I'm delighted to share with you today some deep insights from a conversation I had with Scott Foster. Now, Scott is not your typical trader as he draws on his exposure to Aristotle and Plato, as well as Austrian economics and magic in his search for logic and universal truth that eventually shows up in the psychology of the markets. So sit back and relax and enjoy these unique views and observations from Scott. And if you would like to listen to the full conversation, just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash 27 and also forward slash 28. I approach the whole trading situation from, you know, a real blend of philosophy and psychology. And we've talked a little bit about the, the mm -hmm. psych stuff, but not, not a lot. But the philosophy really, to me, was um, a bigger element, a bigger uh, issue in terms of pushing me in a certain direction on how my trading was going to look and what, what I needed to do to support the, a particular style of trading. Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, that goes back to, you know, it's, it's a gradual process that's happening those early years that I was talking about trading for myself and trading for the small trading group that I put together and then my experiences, my three years as you know, senior trader at AO Management. And you know, you, you go through this whole process and as you were, as the whole time I'm looking at, you know, what is my strategy? What is, how do I want to approach the markets? What is my strength and what do I want to do? And I kept having a problem reconciling all the different strategies that I was reading about. Mm. There was a certain philosophical hiccup in my brain that I could not get, get my arms around. And, and what it was, was the fact that, um, you know, my background in philosophy is um, more geared toward ancient philosophy. Uh, you know, my father had me turned on to Aristotle and Plato and, and the pre-Socratics at an early age. And, and uh, he was my professor for a lot of my classes in college. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I was, um, you know, either well-educated or brainwashed. I'm not sure <laughs> which perspective I want to take, but I, I had a real a passion for um, the classics and, and Aristotelian logic in particular. Okay. So uh, um, when I'm looking at the the markets and I'm thinking, okay, how do I want to trade? I'm thinking, do I want to be, you know, and it didn't, it seemed to me, it didn't really matter what, what I picked because if I was going to trade the markets on a fundamental basis, I'm basically saying that I'm looking back in the past and I'm, I'm looking at, certain fundamentals that would make something cheap or expensive, or that's what everybody says, that this stocks to use ratio, the price ought to be X, or when this happens, or you know, whatever. And if you're in the stock market, you know, PE ratio or whatever, um, you're looking at all these different events in the past and you're saying, this will tell me in the future what value is and, and, and what it ought to be. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a technical trader, I'm gonna look at the past and say, here's a head and shoulders pattern. And you know, most of the time that that happens in the past, you know, I've counted 75 times it's happened out of, you know, X, Y, Z. It seems to point in the future that this is going to happen. Or if I'm going to look, you know, pick a strategy, any strategy. At the end of the day, I ran into a real difficulty with trying to understand just because it's happened in the past, why does that mean it's going to happen in the future? Right. And for, for my field of study, which is epistemology, which is the theory of knowledge, how do you know you know? How can you validate or verify anything that you know and what gives you any confidence that, in what you believe is true? So universal what, truth, I guess. Exactly. And that's what, you know, that's what Aristotle basically said. And through his, you know, he basically, you know, invented 
uh, that logic as uh, that was that everybody kind of accepted for two thousand years. Everybody's been debating over the last hundred, you know, hundred as to whether or not it was right or not. But uh, he said in classical logic and you know syllogistic logic that uh, you know there are, when we put these propositions together, you know, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. We can evaluate their truth by looking at what he called the square of opposition. Uh-huh which is if you could picture, you know, just if you drew a square on a piece of paper in the upper left-hand corner, uh, that stood for, uh, he had letters symbolizing this, and, but it, that stood for the universal affirmative, uh-huh. which, for example, I could say all toll bridges are expensive. Right. So, and to the upper right-hand corner is the universal negative. All toll bridges are not expensive. Down uh-huh. in your lower left-hand corner is the particular affirmative. At least one toll bridge is expensive, and the lower right-hand corner is the particular negative. At least one toll bridge is not expensive. Mm-hmm. And Aristotle went on to try to argue we have inferences that are true always by looking at the relationships between these four propositions. Right. You know, for example, the top two, the universal affirmative and the universal negative, they're, they're called contraries. Uh, they both can be false, but they both can't be true. Mm. The relationship between the particular affirmative and the particular, the particular negative is a subcontrary, and it's the exact opposite. Both can be. Uh, true, but both cannot be false. Uh-huh. And the relationship between the universal affirmative and the particular negative is, you know, called a contradictory. And they both cannot be true, and they both cannot be false. Uh-huh. One has to be one, one has to be the other. But the relationship that that had the most important bearing on my understanding of trading was the subaltern relationship, which is the relationship between the universal affirmative and the universal negative. Uh-huh. If all toll bridges are expensive, then the universal, the particular affirmative. At least one toll bridge is expensive. Has yeah. to be true. Yeah. But the reverse is not true. I mean, if you say at least one toll bridge is expensive, there's no way that that implies that all toll bridges are expensive. Exactly. However, the opposite is true. The uh, the reversal of that. If you say at least one toll bridge is not true, you have proven false. The universal affirmative that all toll bridges are true, mm. which is you know falls into a different line of thinking called falsification, and and Popper gets into that and. and uh, but I was more intrigued by the universal because Aristotle was very consumed by universals, the things that were always true and you know, getting into natural law and so forth. And so I thought to myself, you know, if I'm looking at a, you know, a toll bridge, toll bridge, toll bridge, toll bridge, therefore all toll bridges, how is that any different than looking at head and shoulders, head and shoulders, head and shoulders and drawing some conclusion that really didn't seem to, to logically uh, come about? You know, it's kind of like saying, uh, hey, white swan, white swan, white swan, white swan, therefore all swans are white. Right. Well, uh, it, it, logically, it's 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 and, and basically the subaltern arrangement here, uh, this understanding of Aristotelian logic, is really at the basis of so many, shall we say, financial implosions, that conclusions and 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 ideas that are treated as universals because of the of witnessing the particulars rather than the other way around. So mm. I thought to myself, I, I'm looking at particulars when I should be looking at universals. So what are you, what are the universals? Right. That I can trade from. What is something that will be true tomorrow, true the next day, true the next day, true, true until forever? Right. And and if it's true forever, then it can't be empirically validated. So mm-hmm. it has to be accepted as true. Right. And and so like a natural law, it's just understood. You know, it's like one plus one is two. Well, I can do one plus one a million times and get two. But the only way that I can say that it's a universal is to say that I accept it, that it will always be that way because it is. It can never be empirically validated. Sure. Uh, and so I find myself as a, 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 an Aristotelian approaching the markets from what I would call a deductive point of view rather than inductive. So we start with universals and we reason 
you know, everything that we do, we basically believe, you know, you could do it if you were locked in a closet most of your life because it's just, it's necessarily true. Right. Um, and this is, you know, not to get off topic, but my, uh, we talk about Dominion being a firm that um, looks at the world through Austrian economic eyes, not because we make economic pronouncements, but the, the methodology of Austrian economists, the process is, that's their epistemology. They, it's very deductive. It's not empirical. It's mm-hmm. not because we found 47 people that have benefited from the minimum wage, therefore it must work. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it's not about working. It's what, you know, these are the principle or the universal uh, is true and, mm-hmm. and must be true, even if you don't see it to be true. So I thought, I kept thinking to myself, well, what, what can I focus on here that will help me? And there were a couple things that I discovered, but as it pertains to what we do in Dominion from day one till now is the psychology. The psychology of the markets is is my universal affirmative. In okay. other words, how people make decisions isn't going to change tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And just like the, you know, it's not because of the studies that, uh, you know, Tversky and Kahneman did to, to and how they basically created portfolio theory as a, as a science. This existed well before they it was something that was discovered, not something mm. that anybody created. This is uh, this is the way people process information, and they will always process it that way. And if that is true, which I believe very much to be true, and you know we could get a lot deeper into philosophy and religion and, and all that to, to to debate that issue. But if you'll grant me that, mm. which uh, that's our starting point, that that and so when we build a trading model, we build everything you know from that top down we don't look at data and say well what works and what what can we do and how do we make you know how do we create a short term trading system we look at it and say how do people make decisions and how are they trapped in these bad decisions and how can we capture that it's very very specifically in the marketplace that's it for now and remember that if you want to listen to the full conversation with scott please go to toptradersonclock.com forward slash 27 and forward slash 28. Now, if you enjoyed this short insightful clip from a past episode of the show, then you will love the free book I'm giving away right now. It's called The Many Flavors of Trend Following and it includes some of my best insights on perhaps the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. And you can get your free copy at toptradersonclock.com forward slash book right now and start your own journey today. Again, just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash book and make sure to tune back into the podcast or YouTube channel next week for more exciting and engaging conversations. Until next time, take care.